Welcome to episode 103 of Killer Hangover. I'm Bettina. And I'm Beth. And we are going to talk about stories from Colorado this week. I have a horrible true crime. Beth, what do you have? Lighten us up right away. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I know what you're going to cover and I don't want to be here right now. Oh, okay. But. I'm going to be drinking, so that might make it a little better. This is different, okay? Okay. I know we're we're still sticking to the whole, you know, covering Colorado. I'm following that. But the drink, call me Bettina, I'm reaching here maybe a little bit. It has to deal with my story, though. Okay. Okay. That's all you have to do. (laughs) Tie it in. Okay. 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 Because I'll be honest with you. You literally Google Colorado cocktail. And unless we want to be drinking some beer, it's the Colorado Bulldog. (laughs) Everywhere. Which y'all still haven't answered me. What the heck? Why is it called a Bulldog? (laughs) Okay. So I found this article that has to deal with my story. I remind you. Okay. The article is on Thrillist.com and an ad just popped up. Okay. Go away. The article is titled, Three Vodka Cocktails You Can Make from an Airplane Beverage Cart. (laughs) Okay. This is going to be an educational cocktail segment of Killer Hangover (laughs) Podcast. Here are three vodka cocktails that you can make on your next flight. The first, which is what I am drinking tonight, it's called the Airplane Mule. It's a ginger-lime vodka combo, and it's simple easy. It's pretty good. Every beverage cart has vodka. Every beverage cart has ginger ale. And most airlines stock little lime triangles to garnish their like sparkling water and vodka sodas. So you ask for a handful of those. A handful of limes. (laughs) Hey, hey, just give me a handful of them lemons. (laughs) Give me a handful of limes and a handful of COVID. And the article states, boom, you have everything you need. Fill the plastic cup a little more than halfway with ginger ale and ice. Add one and a half ounces of vodka. Squeeze several of those little lime triangles on top. Stir with your straw. Save one lime triangle for garnish. (laughs) How the heck with that? We don't garnish when when we're not on a plane. So (laughs) When you're on an airplane, you got to make your drink look cute oh moving on to sounds like a vodka tonic except it has ginger ale instead ginger of the ale. tonic i'm gonna try that yeah. and i think those little bottles have an ounce and a half in them i think you are so correct. you just finish the bottle <laughs> just dump that whole thing i am actually really enjoying it i don't know why i'd never tried a ginger ale and vodka before and i squeezed half of a lime i didn't cut my lime into little wedges sorry but a whole half. There you, you go. You squeezed a whole half of a lime in there. Not quite a whole half, but yeah. Wow. It was a, it was a little lime. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that is so funny. My mom was dying over there. <laughs> this is a lot of lime. <laughs> Moving on to cocktail on an airplane number two. Okay, number two. The Air Cape 
cod. In its classic form, the Cape Codder is vodka, cranberry, and fresh lime juice. So, da-da-da-da, you have vodka on your airplane, you got cranberry juice on your airplane, and those little lime <laughs> wedges again. Remember, we had a Cape Codder. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This one is up in the air. Okay, so now moving on to, I think... You've got the giggles tonight. This is the obvious one, I thought, is the Flying Bloody Mary. Mm. They have the tomato juice. They have the vodka. And again, with those dang lime wedges. Or half a lime. Or half, whatever you want. Half of a small little <laughs> lime you have at home. All right. So I think I'm going to try that first one. So those are your options. Maybe you're taking a spring break. Maybe you're visiting family for a long weekend. Next time you're on an airplane, you have three fun killer hangover cocktails to try. Okay. Oh, now it's my turn. Now it's your turn. All right. I'm sure most of you, if not all of you, have heard about this case, but here we go. I have to blow this candle out. Are you hearing I'm this not, but go ahead. snap, crackle, pop over here? It's a beautiful I candle. I did hear a little pop. It smells glorious, but it has those crackling Oh, it's a wicks, wicks candle? Well, it's a candle from this small company. I do not know how to pronounce it. Golly. Can't believe I have a podcast. K-E-R-Y-G-M-A. She makes the most beautiful candles. They smell glorious. This is the Gianna. Oh my gosh. It has sage and this one I think has some lavender in mm. it. It's very relaxing and just it smells so good. But that snap, crackle, pop of the wick on the podcast is a little distracting. So, <sighs> are you ready? All right. I'm just coming up with every distraction I can. <laughs> okay. Go on. Daddy, no. These words are what haunt me the most about this case. I know, not a great intro, but this is a horrible story. So, this beginning is actually apt for the story. I'll start at the beginning and try to work through to the end without too much emotion. That goes for you too, Beth. Mm -mm. As I said, I'm sure many of you are familiar with the Chris Watts case. I had, of course, heard about it when it hit the news, but didn't have any real knowledge about the case until Beth said, Mom, why don't you do this? And I started digging into it. Because I wasn't going to touch it. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Let me preface this by saying that there is a lot of information about Chris Watts out there. Many, many videos, many sources, and much speculation on things that are still not answered. So I could have probably spent a month <laughs> looking into yeah. this case. I mean, oh my gosh, there's so much out there. Just mm. saying. There is. There is. So ladies and gentlemen, if I do not cover something you have a question about, it's on the internet. <laughs> Go to the Google yourself. We would have been here all night had I covered everything. It's a big case. It's a really recent case. So there is a lot out yeah. there. So Chris and Shanann met when Chris sent a friend request to her on Facebook in 2010. She actually accepted the friend request thinking, eh, it wouldn't hurt. She's never going to meet this guy anyway. At the time, Shanann was at a very low period in her life. Her first marriage to Leonard King 
had failed after a five-year marriage, and she had been single for about two or three years before she met Chris. She was not feeling well and was eventually diagnosed with lupus. She said she was in the darkest, lowest period of her life when she accepted that friend request from Chris. But one thing led to another, and Chris and Shanann did actually meet. Some sources say through a mutual friend. Some I, They lived in the same town in North Carolina. I, that was kind of confusing. You know, when there's so much out there, you get a lot of different information. Chris knew Shanann was ill. She said that she had given him all kinds of chances to get out of the new relationship, but he didn't run. He stayed. He helped her through the dark period, and on November 3rd, 2012, the couple were married in Charlotte, North Carolina, minus Chris's parents. Chris's mom and Shanann did not get along. I didn't like the way she treated him, Cindy Watts told North Carolina 9 News. On December 17, 2013, the couple's first child, Bella, was born. By this time, they had moved to Frederick, Colorado. They lived in a beautiful five-bedroom, $400,000 house. On July 17, 2015, the Watts' second daughter, Celeste, Cece is what she went by, was born. I'm kind of thinking, well, Bella was still a baby, but maybe Bella couldn't say Celeste, and so maybe Bella was the one who named her Cece, you know? how? Oh, I, that's, that's just, so uh, that's yeah. totally my speculation but they are really close in age they were they're a year apart because of her lupus diagnosis shanann felt so very blessed to have her two darling little girls chris too was happy in his role as husband and father shanann had a pretty big media presence she posted pictures and videos on facebook quite regularly the family always looked happy actually the perfect family chris was handsome Shanann was beautiful, and Bella and Cece were absolutely adorable. The family played together, traveled together, laughed together, all displayed on social media. What people didn't know was that the family was in debt. Student loans, medical bills, the house payment, and credit cards. The couple owed about $70,000, not including the house payment. They had little Mm. choice but to declare bankruptcy, which they filed in June 2015. Shanann continued to post family videos and pictures. The two girls were just precious, smiling and posing in funny poses. It really made me recall you and your sister, Katie, when you were young. You used to do those wacky little poses with your legs up in the air. (laughs) and (laughs) And some of these poses were just like that. June 11th, 2018, Shanann posted a video of her surprise announcement to Chris. She's wearing a shirt that says, oops, we did it again. He seems happy, not really excited, but he smiles and says, that's awesome. And then she Mm. shows him the pregnancy stick. and He goes, oh, it's pink. Does that mean it's a girl? Oh, yeah, that's right. No, it just means I'm pregnant. (laughs) This is the third one. (laughs) Maybe she didn't show him the sick the first time around, but. (laughs) On June 17th, 2018, Shanann posted a Father's Day message to Chris on Facebook. Quote, 
Chris, we are so incredibly blessed to have you. You do so much every day for us and take such great care of us. You are the reason I was brave enough to agree to number three. You are incredible, and we are so lucky to have you in our life. Happy Father's Day. Unquote. June is the same month that Chris is said to have walked into Nicole, we'll call her Nikki, Kissinger's office at work to introduce himself. I believe it must have been in the beginning of June because in one of her interviews, Nikki states that it was a few days before Father's Day that Chris told her he had two daughters. And she just thought that was so cute. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Sorry. Can you guys hear the rest of the podcast now? (laughs) Ow. (laughs) That's what she said in the interview. Oh, that's so cute. I told him how cute it was. It was so cute. Anyway. They both worked at Andadarko, believe I'm saying that right, Petroleum. They continued talking at work, then started sending emails to each other on their work emails. By the end of the month, so the end of June, they were seeing each other outside of the office. They began a physical relationship at the end of June, beginning of July. And when I say physical, I mean there was sex. A lot of sex. They saw each other four to five times a week. Now, again, dates are all screwy on the Internet. So I'm just piecing this together by the different interviews that I saw. Okay. And didn't he like just lose a lot of weight? Oh, he lost weight and he started working out. Now, I think he had to have because this dude had he had built up his muscles. You can't do that in one month. No, I think it was a progression, but the before and after pictures, I think they showed it on that documentary on Netflix. He had lost a lot of weight. He lost a lot of weight and he bulked up. Got into shape for sure. He definitely got into shape. But I think he prioritized that. He definitely prioritized it. He was always working out. If he wasn't running, he was, you know, he was always working out. And he was like obsessive about his appearances but his eating and just all of that yeah shenan started seeing a change in chris he was aloof they didn't have sex and he was not as interactive with the girls as he had been before maybe he was stressed about having a third child and an extra expense shenan couldn't put her finger on it but something was off with chris On June 27th, she and the girls flew to North Carolina to spend four to five weeks with Shanann's parents. Chris was to join them the last week and then fly back to Colorado with them. With Shanann and the girls out of the house, Chris and Nikki's relationship took a whole new life. They went out to dinner. Chris always paid with gift cards. Did activities together. They went to a car show. Then they... Uh, spent one or two nights at the Great Sand Dunes at National Park. And in a lot of videos, you see them not surfboarding, but uh, it's not snowboarding either. I guess it would be (laughs) sandboarding down these dunes. Yeah, yeah. I've seen people do that. That looks awesome. And that was all while Shannon and the girls were in North Carolina. Now, was he telling Nikki that he was still married or was he telling her? Okay, we don't know the true story there. Okay. We don't know the true story, and I'll get to that. Okay. That's why I said there's still questions out there. Nikki claims that she knew Chris had daughters. She thought they were 
so cute, as I said. She also knew he was married, but he had told her that they were separating and he was asking Shanann for a divorce. This is Nikki. These are Nikki's words, okay? Okay. Except she never says Shanann. In fact, if you listen to any of her interviews with police, she never addresses Shanann or the girls by name, ever. Interesting. I thought that was interesting, too. I just question everything, Nikki says. Obviously, you've picked up on that. (laughs) Nice poker face, Mom. (laughs) I'll get to my reasons later. On July 31st, Chris flew to North Carolina to be with his family. There are several text messages between Shanann and her friend during this time. Shanann texts that Chris is really acting strange. He's very quiet. He's not physical at all. He's actually only given her a quick kiss at the airport, and she actually asked for that. He was also not playing with the girls like he usually did. Things were definitely not right. Then, she says, I wonder if he's having an affair. Around this time is when that question starts working its way into Shanann's mind. On August 7th, Shanann sent a text message to her friend that Chris had told her that he's scared. He's scared to death about this third baby. Remember, their finances were not good. That he was happy with just Bella and Cece. Back at home in Colorado, Shanann left on a business trip to Arizona on Thursday, August 9th. Now, she worked for the marketing company LaVille selling the product Thrive, which okay. was a weight loss supplement. Isn't that like a multi-platform like yeah level thing? Mm-hmm. It boosted energy and health through the patches, pills, and shakes. Now, if you watch any of the videos, you will see that Shanann is wearing patches. At first, I thought, what in the heck are they trying to quit smoking? (laughs) That's what I thought the whole time until I figured it out. Um, And Chris... Chris has two patches. He's You can see him doing these push-ups, and there's a patch on either arm, both arms. Okay. You know, he, he was definitely using her product. Now, she must have been a pretty good salesperson because by this time, she was making more money than her chemical engineer husband. Oh, wow. She was making around $80,000 a year. Good for her. While Chris was making about 61000 Thrive must have worked in some capacity because, man, here we go with Chris's appearance. It definitely changed the summer of 2018. We already talked about, I guess he was working out a lot, several hours a day. So Shanann is in Arizona with her girlfriend and co-worker, Nicole Atkinson. Remember that name. At the Lavelle business meeting. And she gets a notification that their credit card was used at the Lazy Dog Sports Bar and Grill. You know how you get the, if you register for it, you get a ping on your phone. Like, that, do you approve of this or, or, usage I, or whatever? You know, I, I set it at a certain level. And then if it goes above that level, I always get a notification. Okay. That, uh, and so I believe that's what happened. So she got a ping that it had been used at this Lazy Dog Sports Bar and Grill. The bill was $64. Now, she knew Chris was going out. He had told her that. He told her he was going to get a babysitter that Saturday so he could join his co-workers at a Colorado Rockies game. So she knew that he was going out. But $64? What did he get? She got online to look at the bar's menu. 
but the numbers just did not add up unless he was there with someone else. Shanann now became convinced that Chris was having an affair. On Monday, August 13th at 2 a.m., Shanann returns home from her business trip. She was dropped off by her friend, Nicole Atkinson, who, by the way, is a total hero in all of this story. Nicole and Shanann were to meet up later that morning after Shanann's doctor appointment. Shanann did not show up for her and Nicole's meeting, nor did she go to this very important doctor's appointment. Nicole was immediately worried. She called the police to conduct a wellness check. She met the police at the Watts home, but no one answered. Looking into the windows, police saw nothing out of the ordinary. In fact, the house looked almost immaculate. They couldn't obviously go into the house because it was locked and no one invited them in. When Chris got home, he allowed police to look around the house, stating he didn't know where Shanann and the girls were. He came home from work and they were gone. Maybe at a play date, but he didn't know with which friend. Nicole, who is still on site, says, "Uh uh-uh, no, Shanann had no play date set up. She had a doctor appointment that she did not go to. Chris didn't seem to know about the appointment. He was very vague in answering (sighs) any questions. He answered them, but very vaguely. Shanann, Bella, and Cece were reported as missing. The interview of Chris on his front porch by Channel 9 News out of Denver, Chris seems rather calm. Now, this is my opinion. Other people think different things. But to me, he seems rather calm. I think I'd be more emotional if I couldn't find Obi, my dog. Okay? I'd be a nervous wreck. Uh, It's definitely her favorite child. There was very little emotion on his face. And he had his hands crossed um, in front of him the whole time his arms crossed in front of him the whole time I want her back so bad I want those kids back so bad Hmm. those kids not Mm. my children not my kids not Bella and Cece but those kids ew that jumped out at me that was the that was just one of the odd things Chris said. Another was, quote, Bella was going to start kindergarten on Monday. Did you catch that? Bella was going to start oh. kindergarten on Monday. Talking about the children's personalities, Chris's body language changes. He still has his arms crossed in front of him, but he starts rocking back and forth. So now he's talking a little bit more personal, right? So he's describing the girls. Bella was more quiet and she was more like him, he said, where Cece was a troublemaker, he said. She is the one who jumps off of things and is kind of a wild child. She's more... That's that second child. (laughs) (laughs) She's more like Shanann, he said. Then he says, I want everyone back here. I want everyone safe. Chris accompanies police to his neighbor, Nate Trinistich's house. had something on his security camera that had been picked up early that morning. In the video, you see Chris's truck backed up to the garage. Chris stated that he was packing his truck for work with what he needed for the long day out at the oil battery tanks. The whole time, Chris is watching the video and then explaining to the police what's happening. He's rocking back and forth. He's super fidgety. He's talking a lot, 
And then he does something really odd. I thought was odd right away. He places his hands behind his head mm-hmm. and he like rubs his head and put, puts his hand behind his head. He just looks like he's lying or at the very least hiding something. Okay, so I kind of picked up on the body language just because I'm a drama teacher and I know when the kids get up on stage, everybody has their own little nervous tick. And a lot of kids, I would say 80% of them, rock back and forth when they're (laughs) nervous. Other ones put their hands in their pockets. So I'm always saying, stand still, stand still, get your hands out of your pocket. He obviously didn't have his hands in his pocket, but he was continuously moving, continuously rocking back and forth. After Chris leaves Trina Stitch's house, Nick turns to the police and says, right away, he says, he's not acting right at all. Chris is usually a very calm, quiet man, and he doesn't seem to even look worried. Now, that's from his neighbor's point of view. Who didn't even really, like, know him, if I remember right. He knew him, but it wasn't like they hung out a lot or anything like that. Right. Neighbors, basically. Now, Chris is brought into the station for questioning. He agrees to take a polygraph test. I don't know what he's thinking here. Anyway, just watching that take place... You're completely taken back by how calm he is. And the investigator, oh my gosh, she was something else. Oh, I remember this. So she's like, okay, now just relax. We're going to do this polygraph because, you know, we just have to rule you out and blah, blah, blah. And then then she says, I mean, really, you would be stupid had you done this and (laughs) then take this polygraph test yeah that would just be so stupid yeah so so we already know that you're that you didn't do anything why would you take this polygraph test if you did anything you'd be so stupid to be doing this test yeah I mean she just puts it that way you know and then she hooks him up and she asks him a few questions and she goes "Um, you know we're gonna start over because you're breathing really fast so take a deep breath and it's gonna be okay it's gonna be okay so he took the test and he totally failed Mm -hmm. when confronted with his failure he said quote i didn't lie to you on the polygraph i i promise (laughs) i pinky promise you i exactly (sighs) exactly i i'm like i don't know I just found that so immature. <laughs> I didn't lie to you, I promise. Police used what is called the John Reed technique in their questioning of Chris. Stage one, the investigator is the suspect's friend. They use soft voices and positive reinforcement. And if you watch the interview with Chris, you can pick up on this. They're actually very, very nice to him. Stage two, Investigators cut the suspect off as he's going into bogus details. You know how a guilty suspect will oftentimes defer the question and start rambling on something else? Well, they always say that if they're lying, if somebody's lying, they're going to have a lot of little details. Right. And they're going to talk a lot, right? Yes. Well, in this stage two, they don't even let them talk that. I mean, as soon as they sense that they're going off subject, boom. They just end it. Cut them off. Yeah. Do not let them talk at all. And then smack. The investigator says, "Uh, why aren't you mourning? Why aren't you? I didn't see you cry at all. I haven't seen you upset at all. 
why aren't you reacting to this? Stage three, investigators offer a how and why. And I thought this was so interesting when I was initially listening to the interview. It's like, she's totally feeding him an excuse. What the heck? For example, this is what she, the investigator said. Did Shanann have something to do with this? Did she kill the girls and then maybe that enraged you and, and you killed her? Is that what happened? Then the investigators did something brilliant. They brought Chris's father, Ronnie, into the interrogation room and left mm -hmm. the two alone. And it did not take long before Chris tells his father that Shanann smothered the girls after Chris asked for a divorce. He found the girls, even going into detail describing them as being blue. He became mm. so enraged that he strangled Shanann. He then tells the investigators the same scenario. Then when asked where the bodies were, he said that he freaked out, didn't know what to do, so he buried Shanann in a shallow grave at one of his job sites, 45 minutes away, and he disposed of the girls' bodies in the oil tanks, or what they call batter oil batteries, at the site. Investigators know that Shanann did not kill the girls, and Chris is charged with the three deaths. He pleaded guilty, admitting that he did kill all three, and he did so in the house, basically to get the death penalty taken off the table. Mm. He's faced with nine criminal counts, including murder, unlawful termination of a pregnancy, and tampering with dead bodies. Chris Watts received five life terms in prison without parole. Investigators were still not convinced they had the whole story. So in February 2019, they interviewed Chris in prison. This time the story is a little different and to me far more disturbing. He said that he strangled Shanann. They had a big fight. She was threatening to take the girls from him. He became enraged and killed her. While she lay dead on the bed, little Bella came into the room, having been woken Ugh. up with the fighting. This is the part that just makes my stomach just... She asked if mommy is all right. Yes, Chris responded. She's just not feeling well. He then proceeds to wrap Shanann's body in a sheet and places it on the floorboard of the truck in the passenger seat. He then strapped each of the girls into their car seats, drove the 45 minutes to his isolated work site, and buried Shanann while the girls sat strapped in their seats. Oh, my heart. Okay, I'm going to try to make it through this. He then admitted to killing Cece first, putting her blanket over her head and smothering her all the while Bella is watching. When he walked over to Bella's side of the truck, uh, here we go. Okay. When he walked over to Bella's side of the truck, she asked, are you going to do to me what you did to Cece? Then, as he was putting her blanket over her head, she cried out, Daddy, no. Was the guy even mentally present at that time? Or had he totally detached himself so much from Shanann and especially the girls that they became depersonalized and dehumanized by him? I mean, I, I don't killing your own children by smothering them with their blankies, then taking their little bodies and stuffing them and the little openings on top of the oil batteries is just un 
unfathomable to me. Oh, I I hate I hate him. You you just can't wrap your mind around this no. whole thing. No. Do we now have the whole story? No. While in prison, Chris starts writing letters to author Sherilyn Cattle, who went on to write the book Letters from Christopher, The Tragic Confession of the Watts Family Murders, published September 2019. According to the book, there are some discrepancy in Chris's story in the interview. In the book, it seems that Chris knew he was going to kill his family. Take this for example. August 12th, and this is from this is supposedly Chris's words. When I finished putting the girls to bed, I walked away and said, that's the last time I'm going to be tucking my babies in. Sounds premeditated to me. Or Very much so. was killing his family an impulsive act and his quotes in the book just to get sympathy. Hmm. Uh, by the way, there is a lot of controversy with the book also. Kettle has been accused of plagiarizing another true crime book. Um, I guess it's called His Garden Conversation with a Serial Killer by Anne K. Howard. It's a mess. It's just, anyway. I think anything that ties to Chris Watts is going to be a mess. Uh, there's like no truths there's he's the devil incarnate but what is true in this horrible story there's like no truth okay so i'm gonna add even more confusion of course remember i stated earlier that i don't much believe anything that comes out of nikki's mouth this doubt is caused by some of the emails texts and google searches done by both nikki and chris now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that Nikki was there and that Nikki actually killed the family. Okay, so don't get me wrong there. I just think she knew a lot more than what she let on. But I'll start with this. Nikki said that she first met Chris when he walked into her office and introduced himself. Maybe she met him and first spoke to him then, but she had her eyes on him way before then. On August 3rd, 2017, so a year before that, she Googled Chris Watts. Yeah. On September 1st, 2017 and January 7th, 2018, Nikki Googled Shanann Watts. She had, of course, deleted these searches. Okay. That don't matter. No, it doesn't. On July 24th, so during the time Chris and Nikki were dating, she searched, man I am having affair with says he will leave his wife. Then she Googled marrying your mistress. So she absolutely knew Chris and Shanann were still married. Plus, she stalked Shanann on Facebook. Now, remember, I said Shanann posted everything. I mean, she posted every day she posted, including the posts where she shared the news of her pregnancy with Chris. So Nikki saw this. It was on her Facebook and because Shanann used a lot of the posts for for her business publicity, basically, her posts were open yeah, to the public. public. Yeah, that's what I'm like. Chris had to have known that his girlfriend is going to be checking this stuff out. And I think that's partly why you see him so disconnected in a lot of those videos. But that could just be us watching the videos with hindsight. Yeah, in hindsight, that's us watching him. But. You know what I mean? Like, he's not stupid. He knows that his girlfriend's going to be seeing all these videos. He's got to. But she's she's acting like she had no idea any of this. Like, there's no internet. Yeah. yeah. This didn't mean much to her because the whole 
sharing the pregnancy thing with Chris because on August 4th, nine days before Chris killed his family, Nikki searched on Google for wedding dresses for over two hours. Is it possible she's just like in her own little world? I mean, we don't know what was going on behind. Yes, it's doors. possible. Okay, Beth. Okay, it's possible. He could have easily just been lying to her as much as he was lying to Shanann. He's the bad guy in all of this. No, he is. I'm not taking that away from him. I'm totally not taking that. I'm just giving you a little fodder, I guess, a little something else to think about. Okay. Also recovered on her search history was, quote, can cops trace text messages? <laughs> yeah. Right before Nikki contacted the police to tell them about her affair with Chris, which they had already figured out, but she deleted Chris's contact information, their texts, call logs, everything, but not before Googling, how long do phone companies keep text messages? <sighs> Now, Nikki wasn't the only one turning to the Google. Chris also had some interesting search histories. On July 25th, he searched, when to say I love you for the first time in a new relationship. Oh, my God. I mean, what people Google? I, I know. And as Nikki deleted Chris's contact information, as well as their texts and pictures, Chris instead installed a fake calculator app on his phone. And yes, those do exist. I mm -hmm. took a look and there are no less than five of these calculators. It looks like a calculator. Some even do the job of a calculator. But with a secret code, you can open it and hide photos, conversations, videos, notes, etc. So this is where Chris kept all of his and Nikki's texts and pictures. You have all of these people going to check their significant other's phones right now for two calculators. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't know this thing existed. So I had to, I was just like, really? So I opened my app and I'm going through the apps going, oh man. <laughs> You're about to say you opened up Tom's phone. <laughs> no. Oh gosh. He wouldn't even know that there, no. I had to find his app store for him the other day. So, <laughs> <laughs> No, I trust my husband. I trust my husband. So, uh, yeah, it was crazy. So when you see, if you do Google this whole thing, you'll see pictures of him and Nikki and, you know, their trip together and stuff. And those were all taken off of his phone out of this secret app. A very calculating move. <laughs> Okay. Talking about Chris's phone logs. The morning that he killed his family, he called the school the girls were set to start and told them that he and Shanann had decided to pull them out. So he had just killed his family. And after that, he called the school. So he has enough brain cells. Like, he, he it's not like he, ugh. all right, go on, sorry. He didn't stop there. Mm-mm. He then proceeded to call a realtor about putting his house on the market. Oh, my gosh. So basically starting a new life the day his old life ended. <sighs> who does that? Who? who? The devil. Uh, uh, I don't know. He and Nikki texted and called a lot the day of, actually, the day before, the day of and after the murders. So was Nikki, quote, 
shocked as she told the police about the murders? I don't know. But me thinks not. (laughs) Okay, Yoda. Number one. I don't think she did anything again physically to help Chris murder his family. But I do believe that she had a hand in manipulating him. And I believe he was easily manipulated. She had had quite a few men in her past. I'm not saying a whole lot. I'm just saying she had a few. Chris, on the other hand, didn't really date. And his first serious relationship was with Shanann. Nikki was young, fun, and liked to experiment with sex. Chris was infatuated and stupid. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I don't think that she came out and said to him, hey, you need to get rid of your family so we can start our own. I don't think she did that. I think she was more subtle. For instance, she sent a text that read, quote, that's fine. I have my other guy friends to hang out with. You do what you have to do. I think this was in response to Mm. him leaving to join his family in North Carolina. Nikki has moved, changed her name, and basically started a whole new identity in life. But not before she Googled how much Amber Fry's net worth was and do people hate Amber Fry. Now, for those of you who don't remember Amber Fry, she was Scott Peterson's mistress. Scott Peterson, the husband that is in jail now because he killed his wife, Lacey Peterson. So interesting little tie there there is so much more to this tragic story and so many videos like i said just google chris watts and be ready to get sucked in i just wanted to hit on some of the main facts and highlights in the case what scares me so much about the murders is chris watts himself good looking guy educated he's a chemical engineer soft-spoken good father good husband until one day he wasn't. I mean, seriously, that could be the guy across the street or your next door neighbor. And to me, that is scary as hell. I'm telling you, I walked away from that Netflix documentary. I watched it basically when it first came out. And it just, it sat like a rock in the pit of my stomach for weeks. It really messed with me and and having a true crime podcast I knew we'd probably have to cover it one day and that's why I kind of slid it across the desk to you (laughs) because it just it just sat in my stomach like a rock I I can't I think it's just because I was filled with so much hatred for him I don't know what happened behind closed doors but just they weren't happy and they had issues and it wasn't like they were communicating about these issues and it just he went to find himself happiness and that's all good and well, but like, it just, you don't do this. You don't do no, this. You not divorce. in this. You do. Uh, you don't. There's a right way to do things to find happiness and sneaking around and cheating and then killing your family. is just, it's disgusting. He's disgusting. He can I just, rot. I just, it, it so scares me how in just a month he, totally changes I mean he is this devout husband devout father he loved those girls and then within a month he totally changes and within a day he kills it just I know and it's not like it's a stranger not that that makes it any better but these are his children and this is his wife and he's 
a decent human being growing up. It's not like he has this horrible childhood or, you know, you get that. No, exactly. Nature a, versus nurture. Like he's a decent human being. I mean, until this moment. And then it's just like something switched in his brain, something. And it's not like he went and robbed some gas station like he killed his family. Right. It's scary. I mean, if if it OK, I'm not making excuses, but if him and Shanann had had supposedly they had a huge fight about the upcoming baby about finances and about him some say that some sources say that he revealed to her he was having an affair and he wanted a divorce so there was this huge fight and in a fit of rage killed her but that does not explain his children you know it's, it's like he's getting getting rid of them because they're witnesses to this or something I don't know. How how can you buckle your babies into their child safety seats? And then, uh, oh, I don't know. No, I don't want to read The whole it, thing just does not make sense to me at all. No. At all. Mm-mm. There you go. I'm done. I'm finished. Okay. <laughs> You're done, mom. You're done. Let's move on. Let's move on. Yes. Thank you for covering that. And you did a good job. <laughs> Thank you. Womp, womp, womp. Okay. <sighs> Get out your tinfoil hats because we're talking conspiracy theories. <laughs> Mom, did you know that there were fun, creepy, interesting conspiracies surrounding the Denver International Airport? No. Yup. <laughs> okay. End of story. <laughs> so the airport goes by Den Airport. Short for Denver, I'm assuming. It is an international airport with nonstop flights to over 215 destinations, 23 different airlines. It's huge. Actually, it's the largest airport in North America. It is? Really? Yep. I believe I read that it is actually the second or the third largest airport in the world. Wow, I had no idea. Because of its mid-continent location, the Denver area has always been very busy with travel. The original airport in the area, Stapleton International Airport, was built in 1929 and just wasn't cutting it with the crowds of people traveling in and out of it all the time. So they decided on a new location for the new airport, like 24 miles from the city, which I guess a lot of people were confused by. And they got a lot of land. I mean, the airport is almost 34,000 acres. Holy smokes. And it is. It is way out there. Yeah. It's far from the city, which is weird. Yeah. It kind of in the boonies. Yeah. (laughs) Which is really weird for it being an international airport. And then it's kind of far. It's kind of far from the city. Mm -hmm. But. They get the land, they get the money, which was a lot of money. In the end, it would cost them $4.8 billion. Oh, man. Which was only like a billion over budget. (laughs) That's how much is it? And I actually, I think they're doing a totally new remodel right now to an area that has, it's cost them almost like $1.9 billion more. (laughs) Mom, that's pocket change. (laughs) And the date of opening, it kept getting pushed back year after year, finally opening in 1995, which, of course, adds to the conspiracies. 
which I'll get to in a second, but you get the deal. Over budget, later than expected. It's in a weird, far, huge location. Okay, again, get out those tinfoil hats. Let's dive into the creepy stories. There are so many of them. Everything from the barbed wire fence on the perimeter of the airport to what's inside the airport to what's under the airport. Okay, first things first is the huge blue horse statue at the airport entrance or exit. It stands 32 feet high and weighs 9,000 pounds. Holy smokes. It's standing on its hind legs. Uh Like I said, it's blue and it has these red glowing eyes. What? The artist, the sculptor, Luis Jimenez, titled it the Blue Mustang. Locals call it Blucifer. (laughs) But it's utterly terrifying looking. And what makes it even more scary is that when the artist was creating it, Blucifer's head fell off and actually killed the artist. Uh Uh-uh. His children ended up finishing the sculpture and unveiled it at the airport in 2008. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so this story is true, creepy, and true. I mean, this horse is stinking creepy looking. Just go and Google it. You can get on our website. Googling it now. I mean, from a distance, it's actually pretty. But then they have close-up pictures. Those eyes are, told you, glowing red eyes. And we're going to post a picture of this on our social media and on our website. Guys, it's creepy. Okay. Wow. I mentioned the barbed wire. Some sources said that the barbed wire on the fence surrounding the airport bends inward to keep whatever is inside of it in. From going out? Oh, Okay, this is a false story, but I wanted to mention it because I saw it and anyway, moving on. This airport is basically used as an art gallery, one of really crazy art. I'm all for art. Art's supposed to, you know, call to you, give you a reaction of some kind. Like art can be beautiful. It's intriguing. But this art just seems so confrontational and need I remind you it's in an airport. Okay. You're already stressed. You don't need. <laughs> First, I'll mention the devil coming out of a suitcase at baggage claim. <laughs> the piece is titled Notre Denver and is by Terry Allen. The gargoyle devil looking creature is crawling out of the luggage, looming over the baggage claim. The artist claims it's a protector. But, dude, it's, like, super creepy looking. Oh, my gosh. This is crazy. But then there are these murals. And, again, art is left to be interpreted by the viewer. I get that. But this is an airport. And some of these are just, they just seem so dark. So these murals were created by artist Leo Tanguma. They're large murals separated into a few pieces. So first, there's a piece called In Peace and Harmony with Nature, and it's separated into basically two pictures or like two stories. The one shows these 
beautiful, vivid colors. All of these children dressed in clothing from all over the world. You have this little German boy in his trousers and like, you know, those little... Lederhosen. <laughs> and you have this little Mexican girl in her beautiful, colorful dress. I mean, they're all smiling. They're dancing. They're surrounding this beautiful, colorful, like, tree plant looking thing growing out of the ground. I mean... Like I said, I need to emphasize you can interpret art differently, but it looks like the world coming together with youth of children to take care and grow the environment. And I mean, it's titled In Peace and Harmony with Nature. So that makes sense. But like I said, it's split and the other side is still bright and colorful, but it shows children in coffins. (gasps) dead animal heads and the children are gathered around this dead leopard the forest behind them is burning now i get it like i think we can all take away from this like this is what could be kind of a thing like compare like if we don't come together this is what's going to happen like i see it and again it's art you can interpret it i don't see any conspiracy about this but it's pretty dark and I don't know if I really want to walk by this as I grab my bags and head to the slopes, but you know. Oh my gosh. The other mural done by the same artist titled Children of the World Dream of Peace. Now here's kind of where the conspiracies kind of start to seep in. This man dressed in what looks like a Nazi uniform wearing a gas mask holds this big gun and sorry I don't know the names of guns but I think it's like an AK-47 like it's this big huge machine gun looking thing and he's stabbing and killing the dove of peace there's wrecked buildings and this swoop of a gray cloud that engulfs mothers holding their dead babies children huddled up oh my gosh this is horrible sad and scary and then you compare it to the other portion of the mural where, again, you have all these children des- dressed in clothing from all over the world, gathered together in peaceful smiles, holding flags of their nations. The doves of peace are alive and well perched on the Nazi military man who looks dead now, laying on the ground, clutching his gun. Now, that darker image with the gas gas mask and the gray cloud, right. it's showcasing some kind of a biological weapon okay it's very dark now again i am in no way shape or form criticizing art ever i would never do that art is art interpret it as you wish but so dark for a vacation destination Uh, some say these murals are filled with too many coincidences of themes of nazism genocide death and an apocalyptic government world and Then we discover more ties or conspiracy of ties to those themes. There is a plaque, a dedication plaque there at the airport. And on the plaque is, in fact, the Masonic Square, the Mason symbol. Yeah. In the plaque or under the plaque, it holds a time capsule meant to be opened in 2094, a hundred years after the dedication. On this plaque, it does, in fact, state Denver International Airport. It lists the governor, blah, 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 blah. At the bottom, it states that the airport was commissioned by the New World Airport Commission. 
the New World Airport Commission. If you Google the New World Airport Commission, the only thing that pops up is the Denver Airport. So who paid for the Denver Airport construction? Besides the fact that this dedication stone says it's covering a time capsule, it also says that it's paid for by the New World Airport Commission, which apparently is something that doesn't even exist. What? Where have you heard of the New World Maybe the New World Order? Yeah. Nazis? The airport claims, well, yeah, it's a New World Airport. An international airport with flights from around the world. Mm -hmm. But those conspiracy theorists drop too many ties between this, the New World Order, Nazis, the Masonic symbol on there, and, of course, the Illuminati. We will need to cover the Illuminati at one point. Yes. That's definitely something... I really want to cover. (laughs) Anyway, I'm going to show you a photo, Mom. Okay. The photo is of the airport's runways. I took it from Google Maps. Okay. What does it look like to you? (gasps) It looks like the swastika. Oh, okay. Now, are we reading into this, though? I mean, it does. That's what it looks like. Exactly. But would you, what would we think that if we didn't hear about this other stuff? But I don't know. They all kind of like tie together. Like without the other stuff, no, we probably wouldn't. But the fact is that there is this other stuff. Oh my gosh. They said the architect devised the runway this way so that they could be used simultaneously, regardless of weather and all that. They also claimed it was, you know, made to look like a pinwheel. I totally see a swastika. And <laughs> you compare this runway to other large international airports. That's what like, I was going to ask you. Yeah. Like Miami or JFK, their runways are just totally different. Really? And then you have the tunnels. Apparently, according to BuzzFeed, a former airport construction worker claims that there are five multi-story buildings built underneath the airport. He said that this was the reason the airport was so far behind schedule. He also said that there was a complex network of tunnels beneath the airport. And this fact has been shared by others as well. This, of course, leads people to believe theories like that these tunnels and buildings are going to be used by the New World Order, maybe as command bunkers or as a post-apocalyptic fallout shelter for the global elite. According to an article I read on The Chive titled Something is Wrong in the Denver Airport by a guy named John, quote, (laughs) President Obama was in Denver September 27th last year when Comet Elenin passed by the Earth, barely missing us by 22 miles. Some say that if the comet would have struck Earth, it's back to the Stone Age for us. Nonetheless, there was a chance that it could have hit And President Obama was conveniently ushered to Denver, which, in my opinion, adds more to the existence of not only a military bunker, but also the largest, most advanced bunker in the U.S. Because the president wouldn't go to some half-assed bunker if there was a threat of complete world destruction. Just saying. Unquote. Are you kidding? I mean, the Illuminati, the Nazis, this New World Airport, the I'm not kidding. The the Mason symbol, the Masonic square, is printed right there on the time capsule stone. 
it's and the airport so claims weird. it's because the masons actually built that stone but that's it there's no other ties that's it that's what they say <laughs> there's also a picture on the ground and I, that sounds creepier than it is but etched into a tile in the airport is a coal cart with the symbols au and ag on it okay so colorado is a mining state Mm-hmm. A-U-A-G, silver and gold in a mining cart. Okay. But those conspiracy theorists have taken it a step further. The meaning of A-U-A-G is called into question when you find out that one of the founders of the airport also discovered a new deadly strain of hepatitis known as Australia antigen, also called A-U-A-G. It has been rumored that AUAG could be a potent weapon in biological warfare. This symbol rests on the ground directly in front of that biological warfare mural I mentioned before. No way. It all, in this weird way, the plaque saying the airport is funded by the New World Airport Commission with the the Masonic Square Signs of a genocide of some kind of biological weapon being used, causing all these deaths, extinctions, and then rumor of basically some kind of a safety zone under the airport. Like, what the heck? It's all so cryptic. And the airport people, (laughs) the people who work at the airport, (laughs) the airport people, (laughs) they have their answers from the runway being the way the architect made it in the shape of a pinwheel to keep flights moving. Mm-hmm. The plaque, yes, it has the squ- the Mason symbol on it because the plaque itself was made by the Masons. But this New World Airport Commission, come on, it's the world's new airport. The underground tunnels, yeah, they're there for baggage. There's been so much attention to the conspiracies over the years that in 2016, the airport's CEO, Kim Day, made an official statement, quote, whether it's because of our impressive size, expansive infrastructure, a robust public art program, Denver International Airport has long heard the rumors, innuendo and internet chatter about being the center of conspiracies from the absurd to the entertaining. Unquote. She also announced that the airport would be dedicating the month of October to, quote, embracing the strangeness and sharing in the fun, unquote. <laughs> and, oh, by the way, on their website, I even saw a picture of a sign that they have posted in the airport. So where those murals are that I said that's closed off because they are apparently doing some construction on it and I don't know what they're doing exactly. Sure, kind of whatever. <laughs> I know, right? But they have a coming soon sign, and it says on it, coming soon, A, a secret portal to the underworld, <laughs> B, streamlined security, C, another misunderstood mural. <laughs> Learn the truth at denfiles.com. Oh, my God. Gosh, that's oh. <laughs> they are expanding or updating one of the terminals to better accommodate their 69 million passengers. But yeah, I didn't even mention the lizard people 
the aliens that are also rumored to be living in the tunnels under the airport. Crazy stuff over there at that Denver airport. Crazy, crazy stuff. Lizard people. Don't forget about Blucifer with the glowing red eyes. No. And that's, that's, God, that's weird. No kidding. We were at the, oh my gosh, were we? Dallas. We were at the Dallas airport. And we're going from, you know, point A to point B. And all of a sudden, this guy starts walking next to me. And he has like a tie on and stuff, but he doesn't have any luggage. And he goes, so do you know where they keep the gas for the airplanes? And I was just like, no. (laughs) (laughs) He goes, they're under where we're walking. Ew. I go, really? He goes, yeah, all the gas, there's tunnels down there. So I don't think the tunnels are a different thing, but the gas is kept underneath the airport, basically, underground. It doesn't seem very safe. And I said, but you're also taking this fact from a man you randomly ran into in an airport. He actually was the person that was in charge of it because I asked him, I go, uh, by this time, Tom's like way ahead of me because he doesn't talk to strangers. <laughs> so, stranger like, danger. He, he does talk to strangers, but not when they come up to him. But I thought this was fascinating, right? So I'm like, how do you know this? I mean, what? He goes, oh, because I'm like the manager of blah, blah, blah. And this, you know, and I said, well, thank you for sharing that with me. He shared That's a bunch still of very stuff. random <laughs> talked talked about. Oh, do you know where the gas where you gas an airplane? Like, you know, how where do you put the gas in the airplane? And I'm like, no, do you? Is it in the wing? Yeah, they put them in the wings. The gas is in the wings. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen them do that. Oh, I'm- you see them do that with the long tubey thingies. Yeah, I know, yeah, but, but I, I, thought it, I thought it went someplace else, I mean, you know, in the body of the plane. But I guess the Denver airport, though, like their tunnels are like way more uh, like expansive. It sounds like a town than, almost down there. Well, well, now you're going with the lizard people story. Um, <laughs> I guess part of the reason why they got so much land is because they promised they were going to build some really crazy eccentric baggage machine of some sort down there but it's it's basically just tunnels to get your baggage from your flight to that flight and baggage claim and everything much faster but it was built really like expansive i guess interesting wow that we will never know Never know. You and I will never know. No. (laughs) Somebody out there. But it sounds like if you're in Colorado, you're pretty safe if you are nearby the Denver airport. Just go on down, pull a Pee Wee Herman and ask to go to the basement and you will be just fine. (laughs) There's no basement in the Alamo. (laughs) I've flown in there quite a few times know this stuff i need to know the stuff before i go yeah because i'm sure when you went you just kind of like went quickly through and you weren't gonna stand there and look at murals but they're there there's a lot of art there i guess it is like an art museum on top of it and you can go to the denver airport's website and they have like a whole art menu where you can click on it and it tells you 
all about the artist, the artwork itself. And there's pictures of, of this artwork I just described too. There, there's others. Wow. Just wow. That's interesting. Okay. Okay. Well, you've totally taken our minds off of Chris Watts. Thank you very much. That's what I was brought here to do today. <laughs> okay. Well, next week we will be covering stories from New Jersey. New Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. You have the true crime. Yep. Yep. I sure do. I gotta come up with a good cocktail. Yep. Yep. You sure do. <laughs> See? My cocktail did have something to do with an airport, though. Da, 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 da. Oh. Okay. Thanks for drawing our attention back to that. But you're mm-hmm. right. It's perfect. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you very much. If you would like to... Well, I guess you don't really need those cocktail recipes, but if you want those cocktail recipes and you want to see all of our sources and you want to see photos that we talked about, you can go see all of this on our website, killerhangoverpodcast.com. We are also on social media, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Check us out. Subscribe, rate, review. Thank you. I need to go to bed. I am so tired. (laughs) Well, you go to bed. For I don't know how long I'm going to get to sleep because this little baby is breaking those teethers out of his gums. Oh. I know. I just feel so bad for him. Growing teeth is hard. Yeah. Little boo. Thank God for caffeine. For me, not him. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you. Thank you to our patrons. This was a good episode, Mom. That was fun. We hit all the emotion. We hit all the emotions on this roller coaster ride of an episode. Cheers to episode 103. <laughs> Cheers. Love you, kid.